Welcome to Rome Christian Center. We are so glad that you are with us here today. If you are local to the Rome, New York area, we would like to invite you to join us 10 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on Sundays. We are located at 7985 Turin Road in Rome, New York. Let's join the service as we believe God has something in store for you today. Well, I don't know what, that song just does something for me. God's been using it for a few weeks in my life. Every time we sing it, I just, I'm just so grateful for the goodness of God toward me individually in my life and what he's done for me and my wife and our family, just blessing us beyond our, what we could ever imagine. So I'm uh, just grateful to God. And uh, the best is yet to come, so praise God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just open our hearts to your word tonight. We invite the Holy Spirit to come. Anoint me, anoint the word. Let this word minister to us, bless us, strengthen us, and encourage us in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. I'm going to start um, in Isaiah chapter 1. Then we'll go into Jonah. If you want to find Jonah, stick your finger in there. We're going to be going there in just a minute. The prophet Jonah. Everybody knows the story of Jonah. There's some Bible stories that that uh, most everybody knows whether they go to church or not. You know, Noah in the ark and uh, the walls of Jericho came down when they shouted and and uh, Jonah in the belly of the whale, or the fish, is one of them. They made a movie out of it. The VeggieTales movie was about Jonah. And he's a god of second chances. It's a great movie. <laughs> the VeggieTales movie is a great movie. Jonah... Jonah, in the movie, Jonah's in the, in the belly of the fish, and, and there's a choir, uh, a choir of all these, actually, they're, they're African-American, they're black w women with the robes, they're like a regular church choir, and they're singing up a storm of God as a God of second chances. It's great, because he is, hallelujah. Anyway, thank you, Lord. Isaiah chapter 1, let me find it myself here. familiar scripture in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 it says if you are willing and obedient you will eat the good of the land it's a promise that God gives us in verse 18 he says come now let us reason together though your sins are as scarlet they will be white as snow though they are red like crimson they will be like wool and God's going to forgive you he's going he's to forgive all our sins he's going to be God to us and we're going to be his people and if you're willing and obedient, he said, if you'll do that, you'll eat the best of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword, 
truly the mouth of the Lord has spoken. It's kind of like the scripture in Deuteronomy where it says, Behold, I set before you life and death, the blessings and the cursings. And then just to make sure we get it, he says, therefore, choose life. It's like we, it's like we couldn't figure that one out. But uh, God says, choose life that you may live, you and your descendants after you. So I just want to talk about obeying God tonight because it pays to obey. Everybody say it pays to obey. Amen. Amen. It does. Hallelujah. Obedience is a key with God. In 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22, we're talking about Saul. We'll go there a little bit later. Um, but when Saul disobeyed God, he's, God told him to kill, kill everything that breathes, man, woman, child, and beast. But they didn't. He, he spared the king. He spared some of the best animals to make a sacrifice to God. He said, I spared him so I could sacrifice, make a sacrifice to God. God said, I didn't want a sacrifice. I wanted obedience. In 1 Samuel 15, he says, to obey is what? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed in the fat of rams. It's our responsibility. It's our call to obey God. Obedience is a key. It's not the only one, but it's an important one. Obedience is a key to success with God. So I want to talk about obedience. Hallelujah. I'm, and I'm preaching to me tonight, so you just get to listen to what I'm saying to myself. Let's go, let's go find Jonah. Well, you're not going to find him. He's in heaven, but I mean in, in the Bible. Right, Mark? The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. I thought there's only one of the there's only one of the city that I know of in the Bible where God talks about their wickedness rising up and getting God's attention. You know what that is? Sodom and Gomorrah. Yeah. So this is a wicked city. But Jonah rose rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down to Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So God speaks to Jonah. He says, I want you to go to, Am- I want you to, go to Nineveh and uh, cry against it. In other words, pronounce a curse against it. And he rose, but he didn't rise to go to Nineveh. He rose to go in the opposite direction. You know, it would be like me, God saying, Pastor, Pastor Ned, go to, go to Albany and cry against the ungodliness in the, in the state capital, whatever. And I say, and I not only do I say, no, I don't want to do that. It's like I go down the bus station and get a bus to Buffalo. You know, how much, I'm going the other direction. I'm not, I'm not just saying, no, I'm running, you know. But God's going to catch up. You can't run from God. That's You can't run from God. At some point, you know, no matter, no matter how... Uh, I was thinking, no, no matter how uh, how long you've been serving God, how long you've been walking with God, no matter how mature you are, it, it pro- it's probably going to happen at some point in your life. Um, it's happened in mine that God's going to ask you to do something that you ne- don't necessarily want to do because it may be inconvenient. It may require a commitment that we don't feel we're ready to make. It may require some kind of a change in my lifestyle. 
uh, it may require just a greater degree of submission and obedience to God, a humbling of myself. But there's a lot of reasons why. You know, we, we've, got our, we've got our own agenda, the life that we want to live. We've got our own goals set. We don't want God to upset him. Jonah was a prophet. He was a man of God, but he also had feelings. You know, he had likes, things he likes and things he didn't like. And like the other Jews, he hated the Assyrians, which were the people of Nineveh. Why, why, did he want to, why, didn't, why didn't Jonah want to go? Well, flip over a few pages to Jonah chapter 4, and it tells you. Because what happened was, you know, eventually Jonah went to Nineveh and preached. And what happened? Remember the story? It's like the king declared a fast. Man, woman, and beast, and even beasts. It's like no one's going to eat or drink anything for three days. They put on sackcloth. They humbled themselves under the, under the mighty hand of God, and God spared them. And that made Jonah angry because he's a prophet, and I, prophesy, I prophesied gloom and doom, and the gloom and doom didn't happen. How does that make me look? I don't like it. Or whatever, whatever. But anyway, it made him angry because he, he wanted to see the, those Assyrians blasted off the face of the earth. But it greatly displeased Jonah that God spared the city. And he became angry. And he prayed and said to the Lord, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? In other words, when you spoke to me the first time, didn't I, didn't I say it? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you're a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. It's like, God, I knew, I knew that you're just an old softy. And then if somebody repents, now God, God won't forgive us if we don't repent, but if we repent and humble ourselves in sackcloth and ashes like they did, not, not that we do that today, but it's like, God, God I, know you, I know that you're a forgiving God. I knew you were going to forgive them. That's why I said, no, I'm going to Tarshish. I'm not going to do it. I want, to see those, I want to see those Assyrians blown off the face of the earth. I don't want to see them be forgiven. One of the things, see, one of the things that jo- this shows us uh, in Jonah, one of the things that we learned from it is that at some point the gospel is going to be preached to Gentiles and the Gentiles are going to repent and God's going to forgive them and they're going to come to God. Hallelujah. But it's, it's kind of a sad story because hundred. If you read the book, I believe it's Nahum, any minor prophet. His whole prophecy is about gloom and doom coming to Nineveh. About 150 years after this, the whole the whole move of God was forgotten. They got way back into the idolatry and all the sin, and God and God did judge them, but this time God forgave them because of Jonah. So Jonah, Jonah said, "I'm going. I'm going the other direction because I knew you'd forgive." But the problem is you can't run from God. Keep your finger in Jonah. We're going back. But let me turn to Psalm 139. In Psalm 139, David writes in verse 7, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, which is hell, you behold, you're there. Your presence, your presence is you're everywhere, God. You can't, you can't escape from. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. 
If I say, surely the darkness will overwhelm me and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you and the night is as bright as the day, darkness and light are like you. I can't hide in the darkness. I can't hide in the, if I went to the bottom of the sea, there's no place on earth I can hide from your presence. Why? Because God is, a, is an all-knowing, ever-present God. He's, he's what we say, omnipresent. I don't understand it, but he is. And there's a scripture in Jeremiah chapter 23. You don't have to go there. A scripture in Jeremiah 23, it says, Am I a God who is near? Yes, he is, declares the Lord. And not a God far off? No, I'm not a God far off. I'm a God who's near. Can a man hide himself in hiding places so I do not see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heavens and the earth, declares the Lord? Sure he does. His presence is everywhere. So you can't hide from God. I don't know what, I don't know what Jonah was thinking when he took off, but cannot run God. So Jonah didn't want to do it, so he ran. You know, I was thinking, you think Abraham wanted to sacrifice Isaac? No, but he did it anyway. Sometimes, see, see you, you, can have, you can have feelings. It's not wrong to have feelings. It's not wrong to feel uh, that there's something you don't want to do, but you do it anyway out of obedience to God. It's like, it's like the kids. When, when the parents ask them to do something they don't want to do, like clean up their room or, or be nice or, or whatever, and you don't feel like it, but you do it out of obedience. And God will reward you. That's a good message for the kids. I didn't hear one parent say amen. So it's not wrong to have feelings, but you still can be obedient to God. Whether we like what we like or doesn't, and what we like or don't like doesn't matter to God. He doesn't look down and say, well, you know, I I won't ask Jonah to do this because I know he doesn't want to. No, when God picks you to do something, you got to do it. You know? God didn't ask the tribe. I was thinking, God didn't, when God chose Moses and Aaron, when God chose Aaron to be the high priest and Levi to be the tribe that took care of the temple offerings and the sacrifices and be the priests, he didn't, he didn't ask him, you know, would, hey guys, would it be all right if, uh, if I chose you? No. God doesn't ask. He just assigns. Why? Because he's God. <laughs> so we don't like that, we don't like that because we, we, we like to be in, you know, this, but God is God and he's sovereign and he knows who's best to do what job and what, we, what he wants us to do and he has every right just to ask us. This is what I need you to do? Okay, do it in Jesus' name. Uh, this is a good message. Thank you, Jesus. I'm learning something. You know, like I said, it's like with our kids or with your boss. You know, your boss might come around and say, I'm so, I, need you, I need you to work a few extra hours today. He may not ask you if you want to. He may not ask you if you can. He's going to say, I need you to work a few extra hours. Well, then we have to do it. So, oh, I was going to go home and have a barbecue tonight. Well, no, maybe put your barbecue off till later. So Jonah thinks he can get away with it. He's, he's running from God. But you can run, but you can't hide. I don't know who said it, but I heard it a long time ago. Your arm is too short to box with God. He's going to come out a winner all the time. You know, God may say to somebody, I, I, I want you to stop that relationship. 
I want you to break off that relationship. Well, if God says to do it, we need to do it. I want you to forgive that person. But you know what they did to me, God? No, I need you to forgive them. You need, I'm saying you forgive them. For your sake, forgive them. You need to forgive. Okay, I don't feel like it, but I'll do it in Jesus' name. I want you to go to that church. You know, for a while, when we, when we started, for a while I was going to change, I thought I might change the name of the church to that church. Because when people found out that somebody was coming here, they go, oh, you go to that church? <laughs> I'd say, yeah. So if we change the name, they could just say yes. But God, God is good. And so whatever, there are some things that God might ask us to do. And uh, our first thought is, uh, no, I can't do that, God. It's, it's, it's too much. It's too painful. I'm too busy. It, you're asking too much of me. But God knows what we can handle, and God's never going to give us something that's beyond our ability. And, and he's not doing it to hurt us. He's doing it to advance us in the kingdom, to grow us up. So Jonah got on the ship, and uh, let me find Jonah again. And at first, Jonah gets on the ship, and at first it's smooth sailing. You know, when we, if we decide to rebel against God and not do what he wants, not obey his word. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't mean your world's going to come crashing down right away. In fact, everything may just continue on for a while, just fairly normal. And when that happens, the problem is sometimes people feel like either God doesn't care or, he's, or it's not going it's not, it's not to result in, in any consequences, that somehow they're getting away with it. But what God's doing is he's giving, he's giving us a chance to repent. What does it say? He's not slow about his promises, but he's patient. He's patient with us. He's waiting for us to repent. But if we don't repent, then the day is coming when its consequences are going to happen. You know, it says in Numbers chapter 22, I think, it's a, be sure of this, it, it, it was an occasion where God was requiring the three tribes, there was two and a half tribes of Israel that found land on the east side of the Jordan. Well, they had to cross the Jordan, go into the, to, into the land of Canaan, but said, no, we don't, we don't want an inheritance. On, we want our inheritance on this side. And Joshua said, that's fine. Moses said, that's fine. But you have to help your brothers fight for theirs. They've helped you fight for yours. You've got to help them. And so you do. If you come over and help them fight until they win, then you can go back and have your land on the other side. And if you don't, if you don't do that, then you've sinned against God. And be sure of this, the Bible says, your sin will find you out. Your sin will find you out. And so what they did, they did, they did exactly what God said to do, and they were blessed. Jonah chapter 1 and verse 5. Look what it says in verse 5. Oh, you know in verse 4, And the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea, and there was a great storm on the sea, so that the ship was about to break up. And the sailors became afraid, and every man cried to his God. What's that? That's prayer. You know, what, you know what people do when, when something happens? They may not have prayed in 20 years, but if, something's, if something happens, all of a sudden they start praying. You know, if there's, if there's a tragedy or something happens, you know, people get on TV, the mayor of a city, or we pray for the families that are involved. We pray. You know, they're always asking for prayer. There's, and I, I saw a bumper sticker once that said, uh, as long as there's math tests, there'll be prayer in school. 
But, it, but what happens? But what happens when when a shooter shows up at a school? People hide themselves in what, and they start praying. All, all, don't tell me you can't pray in school because there's times when people. I don't care what you're saying. I'm praying. I'm crying out to God. People, you know what? Even even non-religious people, they believe there's some uh, supernatural entity out there who's able to help them, and they start crying out to him in a time of distress. It's almost a natural thing. Why? Because we're spirit beings. We're, we're made to, to have a relationship with God, and even if you don't have one, most people, unless they're confirmed hardcore atheists, most people, when something, they'll cry out to God. They're desperate for help, and they know that there is someone who can help them. So... Every, everyone on the ship starts crying out to God. And verse 4, it says, when it says the Lord hurled a great, a great storm on the sea. They were all going to die. They were all going to drown unless Noah got thrown into the water. And here's, here's another very important point. If you disobey God, it doesn't affect just you. It affects others. There's always other people that suffer when we, dis- we disobey God. Adam and, when Adam sinned, it wasn't just about him and Eve. It was about the whole human race. And Noah and Jonah, did I say Noah? Jonah. And Jonah said, no, you've got to throw me over because if you don't, you're all going to die. My rebellion has brought this to us. My rebellion has, made a, has, has affected you in your lives. And you're all going to die unless you throw me overboard. And you know what? They're good people. You know, these, these are good people. They didn't say, oh, okay. You know what they did? They, they, they started to row. They, they, they did everything they could to get back to shore so they wouldn't have to throw Jonah overboard. But it was, there was no way. So they had to throw him overboard. He ended up in the fish. And what did Jonah do when he was when in the fish? He did exactly what, the, what they did before. He started praying. You know, it's never too late to pray. That's what, you know, always, it's never too late to, to repent and to pray. I often wonder why Judas didn't repent. Why didn't he just repent and ask God to forgive him? God would have forgave him. But the enemy, the enemy peppered his mind so strongly that he just decided to take his own life. But it's never too late to pray. It's never too late to repent. To ask God to forgive you. God is a God of second chances, just like, just like in that movie, just like that. It was a great song. I mean, I was singing when I, you know, when you watch it, you almost want to start singing with him. But God is a God of second chances, and he gave Jonah a second chance. So now go and preach to the city. And Jonah went and did what God wanted him to do. And the people repented in sackcloth and ashes and fasted, and God forgave them. And Jonah got upset. But you know what? The end result of anything is up to God, not up to us. All we have to do is obey God. Obey God, do what God says to do, and the results are up to him. Whatever happens, it's in the will of God. There's a a story in Acts chapter 7 about another boat on on its way to Rome with the apostle Paul on it. And a great storm came. But they, they made it through that storm because Paul wasn't out of the will of God. He was right in the will of God. And even though he was in the midst of a storm, he was in the will of God, and God took care of it. Everybody came out all right because uh, God watched over him. 
I want to go back to first. Go with me to First Samuel. First Samuel fifteen. First Samuel chapter 15, it says, Then Samuel said to Saul, The Lord sent me to anoint you as king over his people, over Israel. Now therefore listen to the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he set himself against him on the way while he was coming up from Egypt. Now go and strike Amalek and utterly destroy all that he has, and do not spare him but put to death both man and woman, child and infant, ox and sheep, camel and donkey. So God gave Samuel, God gave Saul a, a, an order to go and kill everybody. But Samuel didn't do that. He spared the king and he spared some of the animals. And it says uh, in verse, skip down to verse 10. And the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I regret that I have made Saul king, for he has turned back from following me and has not carried out my commands. And Samuel was distressed and cried out with the Lord all night. And Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. And it was told Samuel, saying, Saul came to Carmel, and behold, he set up a monument for himself and turned and proceeded down to Gilgal. Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have carried out the command of the Lord. It's like, no, you haven't. You spared the king, and you spared some animals. God said, wipe them all out, and you didn't do it. I don't know. When he says, it's like, I, I did exactly what you told me to do. No, you didn't. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of, she bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of oxen which I hear? How come I'm hearing all these animals when they're supposed to be dead? They've brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God, but the rest we have utterly destroyed. Samuel said to Saul, wait, and let me tell you what the Lord said to me last night. He said, speak. And Samuel says, is it not true that though you were little in your own eyes, you were made the head of the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed you king over Israel? And the Lord sent you on a mission and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners of the Amalekites and fight against them until they are exterminated. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but rushed upon the spoil and did what was evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord. I went on the mission which the Lord sent me. I think this guy's screwy. I mean, he, he said, I did it. No, you didn't. And I brought back Agag, the king of, Amal king of Amalek, and I've utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, sheep and oxen, the choices of the things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. And here it is. And Samuelson has the Lord much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. 
Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and insubordination is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. Saul lost everything because of disobedience, because he wouldn't obey the Lord and do what God said. And I felt like God showed me this a long time ago. With God, partial obedience is disobedience. If you don't do what God says, if you just do part of what he says, you haven't done it. You have to do everything that God says and do it the way he wants in order to receive a blessing. See, it's not up to me to decide how much I will or won't do. With God, it's all or nothing. So you know the story of Jonah. He went in the fish, he came out, he preached, and the, uh, and the people changed, and God spared them. There's rewards for obedience, and there's consequences for disobedience. It's important to do what God says to do and to do it the way he said it. The Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, one of my favorite scriptures, in Deuteronomy 28 verse 1 and following it says, Now it shall be if you'll diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments which I command you today. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings will come upon you and overtake you if you hearken to the voice of the Lord your God. If we listen to God and obey him, God will bless you. It may take a while, but it'll come. It'll come to you. It'll surely come because God is a God of his word. He's watching over his word to perform it, and he'll bless those who serve him and obey him. In Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 10, it says, Say to the righteous, it will go well with them for they will eat the fruit of their actions. God will bless you if you follow him. It's the best thing that we can do is to just acknowledge God's greatness, acknowledge that he's God in our life, and serve him and obey him in every detail. Do not be deceived, the Bible says. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh shall from the flesh reap corruption. The one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. So do not grow weary in well-doing. That's why, that's, that's why I want to encourage everybody. Do not grow weary in well-doing, for in due time you shall reap if you faint not. If you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. Amen. Father, we bless you. I pray, Lord, that we'll see. We'll see very clearly how important it is to obey you, to be submitted to you, to humble ourselves under your mighty hand, that the blessings of God can flow into our lives and the lives that we are responsible for. So we thank you, Lord, for your goodness toward us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for being with us today. Our prayer is that your life be enriched through the power of God's word and that you be filled with his love and strength as you daily serve him. To learn more about our service times and our ministry, 
and how it is that you can partner with us, visit us online today at romechristiancenter.com.